it's great to be together tonight. And uh, we, uh, we love to praise God. We love to pray. We love to fellowship together. And we love to open the Bible. And actually, church is pretty simple. It can get complicated, but uh, it always must have a simple framework for which we can operate in. And uh, we're determining to continue to do that. It's great to be together. If it's your first time at Arena Mansfield, a particularly warm welcome. And uh, we trust that God will minister to us and speak to us over the next uh, few minutes. I I want to just take your attention again tonight um, to our two foundational verses on this uh, series. We're we're running it or come to a conclusion by uh, the end of this month, just prior to Teen Challenge coming. But some very important principles are being laid into us. And in Genesis 28, uh, Jacob has a dream of a ladder going from heaven to earth. And uh, when we touch heaven, earth is always changed. And he built a place of worship and adoration to God and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And friends, that wasn't just a statement for then. That was a statement for now. It was a prophetic statement that was going to roll down the history of time that God wanted a place that would be awesome, that would connect earth with heaven. It's called church. And then in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses, uh, uh, verse 21, it says, In him, Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We've been talking over the last few weeks about occupants of the house. God is building a house. It's uh, expressed in all sorts of different ways around the world. It's found sometimes in grand buildings that we'd call church. Whoa, that's a proper church. Uh, But it's found also in conference suites, in football grounds on a Sunday night, with it pouring down with rain outside. This also is the house that God is building. And let me say again, friends, church is not defined by where we meet, but who we are. And uh, when we get into digging deep, week four or five, that will be reaffirmed. It is not bricks and mortar, it is people. It is not defined, friends, by stained glass windows or people standing in front in religious garb or seemingly speaking in a particular language. It is defined where people come together to worship God in spirit and truth. And God comes to dwell in those people because it says in the Bible, he inhabits, he comes to the praises of his people. So we've been talking about the house that God's building. Remember week one, we talked about the right walls, the right roof, the foundations, the right doors, the right windows. And then we've been talking about occupants of the house. We Christian laid in the truth of prayer. We talked about the purity of the house. In other words, what we're going to keep at the door. Things like religion and offense and rejection and control. They're not welcome in the house. We're going to keep them out. And they've been too welcome in too many churches for too long. But they're not welcome in Arena Church Mansfield. And he talked about the purpose of the church. And then last week, Christian gave us a great message on the power that is welcome in the church. We had a great prayer line at the front and people received a touch from God. Are we going to have a prayer line every week? Probably not. But what we are going to do, and it was laid into the fabric of this house again last week, was going to continue to believe that the power of God will be at work amongst us. And tonight I want to talk for a few moments about presence. Not P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. And ladies, you might get one tomorrow, you might not. You know, it's the fourth, you know, but... but <laughs> if you look, if you get a card. But anyway, we're talking about presence. P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. 
that God comes and dwells and lives by his spirit. If you've been a Christian for some time, you would probably describe that as the presence of the Lord. Be still for the presence of the Lord, the Holy One. You see, what a tremendous hymn that is. And the guys led us brilliantly tonight in singing it. But maybe you don't use religious language and you'd be comfortable with something like atmosphere. One of our great folks in church that has supported Arena Mansfield so well since we started said to me last week at the end of the service, Phil, one of the things I think that's been the common thread in Arena Mansfield in this 23-week journey is that there's been from week one a great atmosphere. God's presence is here again tonight. It's just great to be part of it. And uh, people love atmosphere. Why did 76,000 people go to Old Trafford yesterday rather than watch it on Sky? Your atmosphere. Pretty good goal as well, wasn't it? But anyway, we'll be... <laughs> But you see, when they talk going on about the best goal, some of us can remember best Lauren Charlton, you know, and there's some pretty tasty ones in all that as well. But anyway, we'll move on. And uh, other... other... <laughs> I'm not a Manchester United fan, by the way, as you well know, but... but... <laughs> No, AD. <laughs> Other people might think there's a great welcome in that church, or there is a real buzz in that church, or there's a real good feel about that church. It's all about presence. Non-religious language. And that's fine because we're into non-religious language wherever possible in the life of the church. But here's the truth, friends. The Almighty God himself does not need us. Because he's well able to exist and be sufficient in himself. And yet God has been passionate for thousands of years to long for a people where he can manifest his presence. He longs for it. We're not talking about anything spooky. We're not talking about necessarily that you will feel something physically. But you will come into church and be conscious at Arena Mansfield as we go on the journey that God is amongst us. And the Bible says from one of the old prophets of the Old Testament, the Lord your God in the midst of you is mighty. There are two parts to the Bible, the Old and the New Testament. Some people seem to think they run in contradiction to each other, but actually they harmonize beautifully. But you do need to realize that they speak of two different times, two different orders, two different expressions of God's purpose. And in the Old Testament, God often used literal, tangible things to be shadows that pointed to what was going to be fulfilled in Jesus and then through Jesus to the, to the blessing of his church. The new is in the old contained and the old in the new explained. And in, for a few moments, I want to give you four pictures from the Old Testament that illustrate to us something of God's presence and the preciousness of it in our lives today. Firstly, a garden. And I'm going to give you the scripture references and to save time, I'm not going to read them. But in Genesis 2, 8 through to chapter 3, you've got the picture there of God having created man and woman in his own image. Having an amazing communion with them in the Garden of Eden. It was a place of perfection and it was a place of presence. They were forbidden to take of only one tree. And the reason for that was because God was impassioned about man having his own free will and still is. He could have created robots and clones and people that just carried out what he wanted to do with no choice. But he needed to give man the opportunity to do wrong in order that man might have the opportunity, free will also to do right. And you know the story. How that Adam and Eve doubted the word of God 
disbelieved it, disobeyed it, and they destroyed their perfect sense of God's presence amongst them. It speaks in chapter 3, verse 23, about God banishing them from the garden. It was an expression of the fact that they no longer enjoyed his intimate presence. Not only a garden, but a tent. Numbers chapter 9, verses 15 to 23, and then on into Exodus 13, 21 to 22. That tent would sometimes be called a tabernacle. But in the Old Testament order, the place where people met was of supreme importance. And as you know, the children of Israel were wandering in a desert for 40 years and they still needed to worship God. They still needed the high priest to make atonement for sin on their behalf. They still needed to come to a place where they could meet with the Lord. And so God gave them a grand design. And you can read about it, and it really was a grand design of a tent, a tabernacle. It was something ornate, it was difficult to erect, and uh, probably cumbersome to take down. But the Bible says that when they moved together, and when they erected that tabernacle, a cloud settled over it as a visible sign of God's presence with them. And at night time, it turned to a cloud of fire. And when the cloud moved, the people did and in fact, in one translation of the Bible, describing that passage in, in Numbers, it talks about travel instructions. And those of you that are planning your holidays this year will be getting maps out, you'll be getting timetables out, you'll be getting itineraries out, and you'll plan your holiday and you'll have some travel instructions. You need to be there at that particular time, you need to catch that connection, you need to go there. And here was the travel instructions to the people. And they couldn't move without the tent. He says that sometimes they'd be four days in one place, then the cloud would move. Sometimes, it says in verse 21, it was a night. Sometimes in verse 22, it could be a month or a year. But every time the cloud moved, the people moved. They had to take down the tent and erect it in another place because they were passionate about the presence of God. You see, the presence of God sometimes, friends, can be inconvenient for us. Imagine... Imagine erecting that tent, thinking, well, we're here for a, a few weeks, and the following day, <laughs> got to take it down and go all over again. Friends, sometimes to follow the presence of God can be, to the natural, irritating. It can be irksome. In other words, it's, it's not easy at times to know the presence of God in our lives. That's why dwellers never long for the presence of God. Because they won't pay the price of being travelers. And pilgrims. And one of, the, one of the values of our church friends is that we refuse to dwell. We are determined in our heart, in our spirit, in our faith, in our life to be people that will continually travel with the purposes of God wherever it takes us, whatever it means, whatever it costs, so that we might be people that continually are passionate about the presence of God. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 44. You know the story how that Jesus revealed himself at 12 in amazing teaching to the people in Jerusalem. And they were astonished. And his, his mum and dad and the company of people that had come from Nazareth had already started to go back. And it says there, very poignantly in verse 44, thinking Jesus was with them, they traveled for a day. And when they realized he wasn't, they had to go back and get him. Friends, as church, we can't afford to travel a day without Jesus. We need him every moment of every day. We cannot just come up with schemes and ideas and plans and projects that are just us. 
We need Jesus to be at the center of it. Not only a garden, not only a temple, also a box. Exodus 25, verses 10 to 22. The box, friends, was otherwise known as the Ark of the Covenant. It was a place, it was literally a wooden box, about three and a quarter feet long and about two and a quarter feet wide and high. And it carried the law of God and was overlooked by two golden cherubim and was carried on poles. And again, as a successor to the tabernacle, every time the people carried the Ark of the Covenant, it was a sign that God's presence was with them. He says in verse 22 of that reading in Exodus, there where the Ark is, I will meet with you. God's people often got it wrong and failed the Lord. And in 1 Samuel 4, the nation was in a terrible place of backsliding and turning from God and in complete disarray spiritually. And their old enemy, the Philistines, came and routed them and brought an incredible defeat. And God's people were totally uh, at odds with his purpose. And Eli, the priest, that had seen the good and also the bad, had a grandson born to him into his household and they called him Ichabod. And the literal translation of that name was that the glory of the Lord has departed. I tell you, friends, when God's presence is no longer at the heart of a church, it's not a church. It's not a church. And we need to be passionate about his presence. Of course, we read further on that it did the Philistines no good to have the ark at the center of their life because it wasn't something that God was going to bless But if you go further on, you'll find that eventually David came to the throne. It had been years where the people had had no conscious sense of God's presence. And David came to the throne and the first thing he did, you can read about it in 2 Samuel 6. The first thing he did was to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to the very center of the nation's worship. And there was great joy and dancing. And he says, I'll be even more undignified than this as they danced and worshipped down the streets because God's presence was right back at the hearts of the people not only a garden and uh, not only a tent not only a box but fourthly a temple 2 chronicles 5 11 through into chapter 6 king david had been forbidden from building a permanent dwelling and so he empowered his son solomon to do so and uh, you can read about the opening of that temple in those particular chapters. Remember when you've had a, a church building open, there's a grand opening. Well, this was a grand opening. And it says that the, glo- the, the, the temple was filled with a cloud, God's presence. And the glory, and glory speaks of the weight of God's presence, filled the temple of God. If you read it there, there were musicians and singers and people that played instruments, all vital to that engagement of God's presence. Imagine me leading uh, uh, arena church worship tonight on a comb, you know, or a couple of spoons. <laughs> well, I might get away for it. We might get away with it for a week, but I think some of you will be deciding whether you were going to come again. But you walked in tonight, and skilled instrumentalists have brought their gift to the throne of God. They could have been playing in clubs, friends. They could have been earning a lot of money. But God's grace has kissed their lives. And they want to do it for Jesus. And all of that mix has brought us to a place where God comes in the power of his presence. You read the history of that temple. It was eventually raised to the ground by the Babylonians. 
And 70 years later, a remnant of people began to return and one of their mandates was to rebuild the temple. And they said, oh, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. We'll build our own houses. And the reason they didn't think it was worth it is because they thought that the new temple would never be as good as the old. And you know, in terms of a material sense, that was absolutely true because Solomon's temple was magnificent. And it may be, friends, that you're in church tonight and your journey has hit the buffers somewhere along the line. You become a little bit disenchanted with what God wants to do in your life. But you see, he's not called you to disenchantment. He's called you to destiny. And that's the reason that you're here tonight. And you may say, I don't know whether I want to bother. It's never going to be as good as what it was 20 years ago. It's never going to be as good as what it was when I was in that church. It's never going to be as good as when I was under that ministry. But here's what Haggai said when he encouraged the people to rebuild the temple. He says, God's with you. And the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the glory of the former. And the prophetic statement to God's people, friends, is the best is yet to come. However good it's been for anybody here tonight, the best days are still in front of us. Friends, whatever's outside tonight that would speak loud against God's purposes and kingdom, the glory of the latter house in our nation, in this town, and in this community of believers is going to be greater than anything any of us have known in the former. That's the presence of God. And then we come to the cross. And everything changed. See, because in the Old Testament, God had a temple for his people. But now he has a people for his temple. He says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I come back to our verse in Ephesians 2 again. You are being built up and have become a dwelling that God lives by his spirit. That's why church can pitch up in the Kevin Bird conference suite at Field Mill Mansfield on a Sunday night. And it is church. Whatever anybody says, however irreligious it looks, it is church. And do you know something? God says, I like what's happening there. And he's come tonight as well. You can sense him. You see, those pictures of the Old Testament, friends, were shadows. They're shadows that are consigned to the history book. The reality is going to be fulfilled in Christ and through his church. There's no plan B. There's no... Oh, I wonder if I got it wrong. I better come up with something else. Because God's purpose is going to be revealed through the community of the redeemed. Even today, people still go and do pilgrimages to relics, to religious sites, to touching artifacts. And it's all in vain. Because that is over. And God wants us to grasp the reality of what he's doing. Spiritually, friends, what does the garden speak to us about? It speaks about intimacy. It speaks about the fact that God wants an intimate relationship with every one of us and with his church. The tent speaks about priority. Whatever it costs to follow the moving clouds, we're going to pay it. The box speaks of responsibility, that God must always be at the center of our lives as lords and not only as savior. And the temple speaks of unity. Because it says that the people are all of one voice. And unity is the runway that God's glory lands on for his praise, for his honor. You know, there have been churches around, friends, for years that have argued, fought, scrapped, and then expected revival to come. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. He comes to where people dwell together in unity. In Revelation, there was a church that had got so taken up with itself 
that it was in danger of leaving the presence of God at the door. And Jesus is passionate about re-engaging with this church. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. You see, brothers and sisters, by the grace of God, as leaders and as people together, we're going to keep the intruders at the door of this house. But we want the door to be wide open to the precious presence of the Lord. And I close with three things that draw a responsiveness to that presence. And after I've closed, I'm going to encourage us in a song of response. And we're going to give a few moments to let the presence of God just invade our lives. You may have never become a Christian. You may have never begun this journey of following Jesus. You may have not understood all the language of tonight, but there is something burning away in your heart that says, I need God tonight. You can become, begin a relationship with God and know his presence. You may have been one of these people that says, it's never going to be what it was in the past. Friends, it isn't. It's going to be better. Yeah. It's going to be better. Yeah. And God's calling us tonight, friends, for three responses to his presence. Number one, to long for it. Psalm 42, 1. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. Why do we sing songs at the beginning of a service? Because it's something to get the meeting going. No. It's because we long for the presence of God to come. Thirsting, desiring, expecting, anticipating the presence of God. There are people here, friends, and God's going to send you into situations on your own where you're going to spend time with God, longing for His presence, longing for God to touch you afresh, longing for Him to pour out of His Spirit, longing for Him to use you in the gifts and every time you feel a quickening to do that, it may be an hour or two hours, it may be a day. It may be a time that you can switch off from everything else and just give something to God. I encourage you to do it. We'll long for his presence. Secondly, we need to live in it. King David went through a season in his life, and those of you that know your Bibles well will know it was a desperate season. It was all his own fault. But in Psalm 51, he prays a prayer that reflects a journey of getting right with God. And one of the things he says is, do not cast me away from your presence. Now you may be here tonight and you feel that you've messed up. You may be in a prodigal state tonight. You may have not been in church on a regular basis for years, but somehow you're here tonight. You may feel that you've gone too far. You've said things that you're ashamed of. You've gone involved in things that you're not happy with. But tonight, you're coming back to God. Because like David came to God and God heard that prayer. God hears that prayer tonight from you where you say, God, don't cast me from your presence. I want to come where you are. You know, there's much debate in these days about hell. And I don't want to go there tonight. Simply to say that hell is where God's presence is not. And I don't want to spend eternity where God isn't. We need to long for his presence. We need to live in his presence. And thirdly, friends, we need to be liberated by his presence. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says that where the spirit of the Lord is, where God is, there is liberty. There is freedom. And we're believing, building upon what Christians shared last week about power, 
that as the presence of the Lord is amongst us in this meeting, people are going to get free from sin. People are going to get free from habits. People are going to get free from bondage. People are going to get free from the past. People are going to get free from failure. People are going to get free from rejection. People can get free from those words that have been spoken over them that have wrecked them. People can get free from sickness. And sometimes it's because people are going to pray and minister to them. Sometimes it's going to be response to the ministry of the word. But other times it's simply because God touches you as we worship and you are invaded by his presence. Wouldn't it be fantastic if somebody came to church tonight in pain and came next week and he said, say, you know what? I'm in pain no longer because God's presence touched my life. Wouldn't it be fantastic if a problem that you were dealing with in your life that seemed insurmountable all of a sudden gets melted like wax in the presence of the Lord? You see, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Little wonder, friends, that the enemy's played a fantastic trick on the church at times. Whoa. Don't get too excited in church. I mean, you might put people off. Friends, we put too many people off by not being excited enough. And if we went down Mansfield High Street next week and said, I'll say one word, you give me a one-word response. Church, a lot of them would say, boring. Who's done that sales job? It's the enemy. He's done a brilliant sales job because church is not boring, friends. Some of you... <coughs> thought it was, you've become Christians and you've never had as much on in your life as you do now in church. You've just been brought into something new because it's where the presence of the Lord is. And this church has a balance. We're not going to go loopy-doopy. We're not going to be silly. But we're not going to, friends, be apologetic about the Spirit of the Lord being amongst us that brings liberty. That liberty is sometimes expressed in our worship as we raise hands as we dance before the Lord, as we give him praise, as we, as, as we worship God and thank him for all his goodness, because God has done an amazing thing in our lives. The presence of the Lord, friends, is not easy to define, quantify, or articulate. I'm not sure I've done a very good job of any of those things tonight. But friends, we know when it's here, and we know when it's not. And Arena Church Mansfield, be encouraged. Because the presence of the Lord is amongst us. It really is. And we want to continue to say, presence of Jesus, you're welcome. The door to your presence is wide open. We don't ever want you to be having to knock in on the door. And saying, I stand at the door and knock. And if you'll let me in. Because Jesus, you're welcome to come in. In the power of your spirit. We want to be that dwelling which God lives by his spirit. We want to be invaded by your presence. We want to be healed by your presence. We want to be touched by your presence. I think one of the things that God's going to bring to this particular church, friends, is some inner healing. I use that word in its widest sense. Don't, but, but some of the things even the community have laid on us at times, even some of the history of the journey of where we live, even some of the jibes that people have said, even over the town at times, that somehow it's a loser town, it's never going to go anywhere. Some of that stuff that sometimes we carry that causes heads to go down. But when the presence of the Lord teaches us, something gets healed in our inner being that says... Jesus is the glory and the lifter of my head. That you can believe for a better day. That you can believe that God's going to bring you into a spacious place. That you can believe that actually the best is yet to be. Someone prayed, Lord, grant me a sense of your presence. Without it, our purpose fails. Without it, our spirit grows weak. Without it, we shall make so many mistakes. 
Lord, in this day, we desire above all else a conscious sense of your presence in our church and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray.